Hey, folks, before we get to the show and all of its craftastic and cinematic glory, I wanted to remind you or possibly tell you for the very first time about The Handlebar. They're a craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, California at 2070 East 20th Street, and they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off any of their 28 draft beers. It's an awesome selection. We were just there for a podcast event this last week. It's just getting better and better with the warm weather. They've remodeled their patio. It's a really great place, you guys. Again, that's the Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Check out their happy hour, seven days a week from two to six, a dollar off every single draft beer. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. My name is Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here reporting for duty. Welcome Nicely to the show. done, sir. Hello. How are you today, dude? I'm doing good. Good. A bit I... tired, but we're, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, we're back to our remote recording, uh, but let's get into this. This week on the show, our thoughts on the latest developments in the wizarding world of Albus Dumbledore with Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. It's the third installment in the Harry Potter spinoff series, and one that finds the fate of both the muggle and wizarding worlds hanging in the balance as the election of the new Supreme Mugwump looms on the horizon. For those of you who don't know, that is the leader of the Ministry of Magic. It's an escapade around the globe from Queens to Berlin with chillins, bow truckles, nifflers, wyverns, manticores, of course, phoenixes. And while it may not be a fantastic film, Forgive me for that one. It hopefully makes for at least a fun viewing experience, but more on that in a bit. That's right. But first, the fun stuff. Well, it's all fun, but beers this week from Vitamin C Brewing out of Weymouth, Maryland. The first is going to be Draw the Line. It's a New England IPA that Max is going to be covering, and I'm going to be covering Double Spring. It's a double IPA that clocks in at 8%. Number one, I like that you said Weymouth instead of Weymouth, because I was definitely going to say Weymouth, but you went like the Vermouth route. Which makes it feel a little bit more bougie to me. So nicely done. Um, yeah, and then glassing yeah, up the joint, right? And you hinted at yeah, our remote setup, which is that sometimes you and I will each drink a beer and then kind of question the other person and try to put our put ourselves in their mouth, so to speak, and understand the beer. So yeah, <laughs> I'm drinking the first one. But um, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. And I am going to make it slightly worse by telling you that unfortunately you won't be hearing our episode today in its entirety. You're only going to get the first beer review. That would be my beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Fantastic Beasts. Yes, young Maxwell. But if if the kind KZFR listeners out there wanted to hear the full conversation, which includes spoilers for Fantastic Beats, Beats. That'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic Beats, <laughs> The Secret of the Shroot Farm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Secrets of Dumbledore, this week's movie, a review of that second beer from Vitamin C and Hot and Bothered. Where would they go to check it out? Yeah, man, we're basically everywhere that's, that podcasts are found. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. Um, it's also on our website. When we drop new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. If you do like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating or a review on Apple Podcasts uh, and let us know that you did. We really appreciate that sort of thing. And then for all your social media needs at this point, there are two of them that we apply to. You can find us on Letterboxd or, or Untapped for movie reviews and beer reviews, respectively. We are at Fresh Hop Cinema, or like I said, our website, www.freshhopcinema.com. And to Patreon, our last commercial of the day, you can support this show and get involved in this little beer community and movie community that we are creating. 
you're going to get bonus episodes every single week unless we don't have time to do them. Sure. And then we'll do other stuff. <laughs> uh, but we have been doing some events lately. We have some more events planned for the summer. We just did a run of merch that all of our patrons got that showed yeah. up to the, the last bar hang that we did. That was so fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there is limitless uh, content on Patreon. I mean, you could probably listen to us talk for about four or five days straight. Yeah. If you really want to go back and listen to all the episodes and we've been doing it for a long time. So you can even go back and see how, how we sounded way back when and compare it to how terrible we still are now. Love it. So yeah. Yeah. So if you do that, you're also going to get shouted out like uh, Rob Delgado. What's up, Rob? Patron, friend of the show, friend of both of ours, and uh, musical companion of Young Maxwell. True. So super stoked to have him involved. And also we have a Patreon Patreon birthday. Austin Smith, is his birthday is two days from now as we record this. So the day that it drops, I believe. I think you're, thinking, the, think you're doing your math wrong. His birthday is the 19th, so no. Today's the 17th. Oh my gosh, it is? I guess that's also well, yeah. then a day before it drops then, my friend. Yeah, so if you're listening on KZFR... You won't be Which hearing this, this part now. This doesn't air. Whatever. Happy birthday, Austin. That's, the point. That's all that matters. And it was great seeing Austin at the bar hang, too. I hadn't seen him in a while. So, yeah. And that was a fun bar hang, by the way. A Patreon get together at the handlebar uh, on a the, very was. busy Friday. We uh, yeah. might have underestimated that, but we made it work. I think at one point there were uh, nine of us or 10, if you count the Photoshop job that Nick did uh, for Rob in there. Um, and we just posted up right in the middle of the restaurant. We connected some tables and crowded in. It was a, it was a very lovely time. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Big ups to the handlebar for putting up with us. And mm-hmm. they, they were super busy, so I'm sure they were like, sure, put the tables together. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, they seemed nice about it. They were like, yeah, like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And they even, like, helped us move tables. And I, I was also approaching them like, hey, like, I totally get it. If this is, like, super inconvenient or we're messing up the flow of some type of feng shui here, just say no. They're like, no, it's fine. Here, here you go. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, yeah, it was rad. So, anyway, all that to say, there's tons of good reasons to join Patreon Mainly, it's more of, of me and more of Max, mm-hmm. and, and who doesn't want that? Yeah. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny Summers, that is our housekeeping out of the way, my friend. So let's get into beers, um, or or rather, let me get into beer. Um, you picked these out, though. I think you should probably tell me where you got them and, and maybe what the brewery is called, just to remind people. Yeah, these are both from SNS uh, Produce and Beer. I think we're going to change the name of their store officially to that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, these were relatively fresh uh, pretty much brand new to me. I'd never mm. seen them in distro before. Uh, but we are, of course, talking about vitamin C brewing. C being spelled S-E-A, nice. like, you know, a body of water. Again, out of Weymouth, Maryland. Uh, new England IPA is going to be the first style that we get into. It's called Draw the Line. It clocks in at 6.8%. Again, available at s s It's a New England IPA with Nelson and Racal hops, which I believe is... Ooh... Do you know? Where's those? Oh, it's not Af- It's not an African. Hop. No, it's it's, it's a, a New Zealand hop. New Zealand, thank you. I was going for New Zealand. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed. I don't get to drink this, but if Max says it's good enough, and I he talks me into believing him, I might go buy one at SNS. All right. So, so first, have, first things first here. Um, the can's great. There's there's a person on a longboard, kind of shredding some gnar. There's a big multicolored, um, almost like a like a pinwheel behind them, and and they're almost doing like a little. What do you call? It's not an or it's not a wheelie on a skateboard. It's a manual, is what it is. And there's this big, like, retro 70s print that just says, draw the line, IPA. And, yeah, like you said, it's 6%. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, dude, because I've had my first sip, that you've 
maybe made the right call because this is a fantastically made New England IPA, but it's one that you, I don't think, would like. Yeah, definitely more your speed. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty sweet one. You, you mentioned the Raquel hop and, and the Nelson Savine hop, actually. Um, and they're both like very, very tropical, fruity hops. Um, I'm trying to think of references of times we've done Nelson Savine because we've done that one a lot and it tends to be able to be a hop because I don't think it's super high in alpha acid so you can use it as a bittering hop or an aroma hop. Um, oh, you know which one would be a good one is uh, Nelson from Alpine. Oh, That's yes. like a pretty well-balanced beer and but sometimes, especially with the addition of like a Raquel hop which has been around since like 2011, um, if you pair those two, you're going to get more of that, like tropical, um, like mango, fruity, fresh kind of stuff. And, and mm-hmm. the can that I have in front of me was canned on the 31st of March. So it's about six weeks old. Um, so not, not old at all. It feels very, very tropical and forward and sweet and fresh. Um, first impression though, I, I, I really dig it, but I, I don't think you're personally missing out on much. So it is definitely not a style for me. Sounds like it's drinking pretty clean. Uh, is it uh, like scale of like one to 10 sweetness? It, you know, it's like a seven or an eight, dude. Um, okay. It also drinks fairly heavy for six, eight. I think it's it's not the cleanest drinking experience, but it's, it's definitely sweet forward. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty sweet. There's some bitterness there, but this this almost feels more like, because there's also like a creaminess to it. And I'm not sure what that's coming from, but it, it could drink like, like a, like a really dense New England or like almost like a milkshake IPA. If you, if you added some lactose or something. Okay. Uh, Cause that fruitiness is there, but I, I think it's pretty good. Nice. So this is, this is your style. Yeah. Um, I, I want to have more of a reference point for, for beers with these hops in particular, but I, I can't think of many times that, we've done the Raquel hop in a beer. Can you? Not right off the top. I feel like it's been there, but no. Yeah. It'd, it'd be fun to see just how much sweetness that hop in particular is lending to this. Because the other thing about a Nelson Savine hop is that it can often lend that kind of white wine tanginess to something, but it just feels like one of those hops that is very spongy. And if you pair it with another hop, it's going to take on some of those characteristics or at the very least amplify like the additional hop will amplify whatever characteristics it has in the Nelson Salvin hop and it'll come out even more. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, I would love to try a beer that was just single hopped with that. Cause I've had a lot of New Zealand right. hops that I really like. Um, and honestly, I, f- oh, Raquel sounds so familiar, but it's none of the beers we've done are standing out. I know. I know we've done um, it too, man. I was just thinking about that. Um, at some point here, we'll talk about, I did my only research on our backlog that I did today was for our coverage of the Fantastic Beasts movie, but I should have looked up, yeah, like Raquel beers that we've done, because I know we've done them. Um, if anyone's curious, it's spelled R-A-K-A-U. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'll try to figure it out at some point and, and mention it later in the show if I can, but no guarantees. Hmm. All right. Well, if you do, let us know. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm going to take another sip here. Did you have any other specific questions about this beer? Um... Hmm. Well, I mean, is it like bright? Is it pretty to look at? Oh, I guess that's it, fair. Yeah. Does it does it look like like um, super milky and dark? It's definitely musty, dude. There's there's a musty orange quality. It's it's somewhere between sunset orange and um, straw yellow, kind of almost skewing towards more of like a brown earthy orange, um, mm. almost like a caramely kind of. I'm also in kind of a not super well lit hotel room at the moment. So as I change my, I turn away from the mic a little bit and bring this towards the window, it definitely brightens up obviously. Um, but in normal, uh, just kind of existing room light. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a muddled orange color. Um, 
lot of lacing still around my glass. It's pretty carbonated, by the way. I haven't really talked about mouthfeel aside from the heaviness from the sweetness, but it's a pretty lively carbonation that I think keeps it from being a little bit more heavy, like like the flavor on its own suggests that it might be. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, this sounds like I really wouldn't like it very much, but I would love to try it. But if you don't think I should, I won't. I trust your judgment. Yeah, I mean, I think if you had another can, for sure, grab it like and, and drink it. But I, I don't know if you should, you personally, go out of your way to get it. That said, that is where my um, lack of endorsement will stop. Because I think anybody else that has a chance to get this that enjoys New England IPAs, this is just a shot right up the middle. It's it's very, very well done. Maybe nothing too surprising necessarily. But I think for the most part, with with a tilting towards sweetness, it's very, very well balanced across the board. And I, I super dig it. As long as it's not too heavy. It's not. It's bordering there. Um, like you could maybe convince me this was in the range of a seven-ish ABV, maybe like the low seven, seven, two, seven, three. So any heavier, I think I would start to have an issue with it. But I think it's it's totally within the realm of what I consider to be quite tasty. Like uh, drinkability wise, you gonna would this be something you'd want to drink a whole sixteen ounce can of by yourself? Well, I don't mean to uh, tip my hand here, my friend, but I am going to drink this one. So yes, and I think even if we were together, I'd be like, you know, what, let me just have the rest. So yeah, I'd yeah. I'd grab it. I'm not gonna get burnt out on a can, even in a, a non podcasting scenario. Fair enough. So it sounds like it's it's right up your alley, and it's a, a well made New England IPA. Young Maxwell, are you ready to give me a ten out of ten? <laughs> well, I'll, yeah, I'll give you. I mean, I won't give you a ten probably, but I'll give you an eight. All right. It's That's really good, man. Highly respectable. That's a fantastic rating. Yeah, it was I mean, it was fairly decently priced. We can't talk about specifics at this time for our radio listeners, but it like maybe skewing a little expensive. It came all the way from across the country, so I don't hold that against it too much. Um yeah, for me it's a fun peek into a market that we haven't experienced before. I think a good first impression from this brewery, and I'm excited to hear what they have to offer for our second beer. Um, but if you've got nothing else, sir, do you? Well, I think eight is a fantastic rating, and if you're going to try any IPAs, they should actually be from the NE. So Fair. Uh, impressive that it scored that high. Uh, once again, that is Draw the Line from Vitamin C Brewing. Yeah, and once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get the chance to try Draw the Line from Vitamin C, I want to know what you think. Johnny probably does, too. So don't hesitate to reach out. And while you're at it, take a picture of yourself drinking it. Email it to us at fhccast at gmail.com. That's right. You can also email us anything else you want. Questions, comments, concerns, movies we should do, whatever you like. Email us, fhccast at gmail.com. Or if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Up next, we have a trailer for this week's movie, Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. But don't worry, there's no spoilers in this next segment. Memory is everything. Without it, we are blind. Without it, we leave the fate of our world to chance. I'm sorry to disturb you, Albus, but I've just received troubling news. Tell me, what is it? It's Grindelwald. The time is closed, my brothers and sisters. Our war with the Muggles begins today! The world as we know it is coming undone. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. Mr. Kowalski, we need you. I said I want an out and I want out. You do know I'm a witch, right? Dumbledore asked that I give you something, Jacob. 
This is the team that's going to take down the most dangerous wizard in a century. Who wouldn't like our chances? <laughs> oh! <laughs> no one can know everything. Not even you. What you're doing is madness. With or without you, I'll burn down their world. Dangerous times favor dangerous men. If by tea time, all of us are still alive, you should consider our efforts a success. Mr. Kowalski. My pleasure. Do you really intend to turn your back on your own kind? It was you who said we could reshape the world. Even if we make mistakes. We can try to make things right. We're going to need some help. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Things are not quite what they appear. Well, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, quite possibly on KZFR at 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It's going to be available to pour into your ear holes tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, there's plenty more to get in ya. What you just heard was a trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. In an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans of raising pure-blood wizards to rule over all non-magical beings, Albus, Albus? Albus Dumbledore, played by Jude Law, enlists his former student, Newt Scamander, Eddie Redmayne, who agrees to help, though he's unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Lines are drawn as love and loyalty are tested, even among the truest friends and family, in an increasingly divided wizarding world. This was directed by David Yates, who also did the first two Fantastic Beasts films, uh, and I believe the last four Harry Potter films. In between those, he squeezed in The Legend of Tarzan with uh, Alexander Skarsgård, which, did we even cover that, dude? No. Why did I see it? Did you see it? Was that a live-action Tarzan? Yeah, it was 2016. Um, It was, yeah, Skarsgård and... um, Others, I don't know. I've seen it. And I can't imagine seeing it were it not for the fact that we needed to cover it on the show. But mm. have you seen it? No. Okay, then I guess then I guess we didn't cover it. I just maybe saw it. Um, okay, this was written by Steve Cloves and J.K. Rowling. Um, I believe Steve Cloves was brought on in this one alone. I think Rowling wrote the first two screenplays, um, and we can talk about some of the differences. At least I would like to um, of of what that changed in these movies. Um, but like I said, this stars Jude Law as, I think, arguably the most main character. He plays Albus Dumbledore, a very young, strapping Dumbledore at that. Um, Mads Mikkelsen comes in to replace Johnny Depp's Gellert Grindelwald. Uh, then you have Eddie Redmayne, of course, as Newt Scamander. He's a magizoologist that's been in all three of the films. His sort of bumbling muggle sidekick, Dan Fogler, is uh, Jacob Kowalski. And then you have Alison Sudol. She plays Queenie. She was uh, Jacob's love interest in the past couple movies. And in the end of the second movie, she kind of defected to uh, to the Grindelwald side of things. Um, you've also got Callum Turner playing Theseus Commander, Newt's brother. 
You've got Jessica Williams playing Lally Hicks. She's a charms teacher that is also part of this uh, ragtag group of magic heroes, as well as William Natalam, who plays Yusuf Kama. He's a he's a French-descended uh, member of the... Um, oh, man. No, I can't think of it. Magic Guild. Yeah, yeah. I'll think of... There's a particular name, but I'm, I'm missing it. And then, of course, you have Ezra Miller, who plays Credence Barebone. He's an obscurial, which is a word that Johnny and I struggled with. I remember this so vividly. In, like... Whatever episode, I think it was episode six of this podcast where we covered Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, you and I had had several drinks that day during the course of the show, and we could not remember the word obscurial. <laughs> it turns out maybe it didn't matter that much. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, cinematographer here, George Richmond. And we're a little bit late to the draw here, but we were struggling with what to cover this week. And though this came out on April 15th, it was kind of the most recent thing that we thought was even mildly interesting. And it runs two hours and 22 minutes. Johnny Summers, thoughts on... The Fantastic Beasts franchise, which is, is what it's becoming at this point. You like yeah. it? Um, I, I've been pretty warm on them all uh, up until this point. They've been very entertaining, uh, kind of lighthearted. The last one was getting a bit dark and a bit uh, heavy with some, some social mm-hmm. and political undertones with Johnny Depp's Grindelwald. Um, and we don't really get too far away from that. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked the first one. The second one I liked less. Yeah, I think that's the consensus. I, I also I, I I remember the first one pretty vividly, and the second one kind of just came and went in a blur for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, exactly. And then there's there's this one. Yeah. So go for it. I mean, this movie is dark, like shockingly dark for um, what is being kind of targeted towards a younger audience. I was mm-hmm. kind of a little bit surprised at points about how dark it was. And it was, I swear to God, I was waiting for someone to say, make magic great again. Like it had such political undertones. It was, it was like ridiculous. It was. Well, it, yeah. I feel like part of the scene we have to set is that this takes place in like the 1930s Germany. So there's lots of, this turns into like a, 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 like an election rigging sort of political thriller for parts of it. And there's a lot of overtones. And if you don't want to make it like a, a modern day thing, you could easily be like, this is very Hitler-esque. Oh yeah. No, so, I, I, I at it. one yeah. point in the movie, I said, what is this? The ma- rise and fall or the magical third Reich? Like what is going yeah, on for here? Sure. Yeah. Um, so it was such a brooding, like, emotional drama like probably more than it had to be and i think that has to do with with writing for sure this mm-hmm. one did not have kind of the lighthearted, like bouncy fun feeling that the the first one had and it definitely has even less than the second which was getting away from it so it was almost the fun aspect of this was almost entirely not present except for maybe that one scene where he's getting the yeah, little yeah. shrimps to dance yeah, that yeah, that yeah, was yeah. adorable uh, and it was it was definitely lacking on Fantastic Beasts. I feel like there was you know one very important one that we'll get to in the in more of the plot breakdown, sure. uh, and and a couple sprinkled in here and there. So it has this overall mood of just so much more serious, and the stakes seem to be getting higher and higher. At least that's what they want us to feel. And then you insert someone like Mads Mikkelsen who. Mm-hmm. Whatever you write and put in front of him, he's going to slay it and he's going to play it with Hannibal Lecter intensity. And mm-hmm. it added such a layer of drama and credible belief. Like his acting was just so believable. He's such 
a beast of an actor that I was like, is this a horror political intrigue or is this a Harry Potter movie? I don't know what's happening, but he is like the most evil, like charming villain. Like I loved him in this role, but I feel like him in it changed the feel of it so much just with his gravitas on screen that it, I think it got, it pushed it in so far of a direction that I'm not sure if it was best suited for the movie, if that makes sense. So overall, it was kind of the least memorable out of the three for me. I felt like it was very, the drama was so forced and a lot of the CGI was just so over the top. It was hard to stomach. Um, so it just, it feel like it got pushed into a bunch of extreme directions and got mm. away from a lot of the things that made like the first movie really great. And like I said, even a further further departure from the second film. So in my opinion, weakest of the three so far. Um, and it was definitely flawed in a lot of ways for me. Yeah, I won't argue with it being flawed. I think that's sort of inevitable to some extent, just with the subject matter. Like you can tell if it, I was willing to let most of this go, but there's a lot of this that happens. Like there's a scene where we revisit Hogwarts and mm-hmm. the way that it's shot is we we follow um, a golden snitch. And as we come up, there's this giant sort of swell in the music as we cruise over a parapet. We're on like a drone shot. And then like there's just like an inkling of the original Harry Potter theme. And we're, it, it's just so forcefully evocative of this nostalgia that I think the first movie didn't have quite as much. Like it almost felt like it was its own new world with 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 pepperings of Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. And this one feels so much more laden down with some of that, partially because like Albus Dumbledore is basically the main character here. Um, I'm also with you. It's much darker, even visually very dark. They some of it I really like. I tonally, visually, tonally, I think they do a really good job. Um, the the like the, the the Queen's Street where like Jacob's bakery is, I think it was lovely to look at. There's some visual stuff that's really cool. Um and I think that some of the creatures are fun. Like there's a sequence you hinted at where they're in a dungeon and there's basically a dance sequence yeah. and it probably shouldn't work, but it's combined with some of the most visceral physical, like, um, uh, horror gory stuff. Yeah. <laughs> gore is probably a stretch, but that shouldn't work on paper. And for some reason it does. And I think part of it, um, is the casting of Eddie Redmayne as his character who isn't often like the most like they, there's some romantic stuff in these movies that doesn't always work. He's got this really painful awkwardness most of the time, but where he excels is interacting with creatures. In this case, they're not real, but, but he gives off the impression of somebody who is socially awkward with people and really good around animals. And what I loved around about the first movie is that we got so much of that. Mm-hmm. And here he's kind of relegated to being almost a secondary character. And where I start to take issue with this movie is like, the, the the plot trajectory is basically like from the beginning, a, a bad thing happens to a creature. And th- can I say that the twist there, can I say that I can edit it out if you're not, if you think it's too spoiler, but there's a second one of these creatures. I don't think it's a fine? spoiler. It was within okay. the first five minutes of the movie. Totally. Okay. So, so then it's like, it's almost like we have two MacGuffins now in a movie that probably didn't even need one. And it's like, all right, we have to follow the first creature. Cause now the bad guy has these unlimited powers, which make him like Nick cage in that movie next where he can see the future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it just turns into like, okay, well we have to defeat the villain by confusing him. And then it's like one MacGuffin after another. Uh, it's, it's, it just gets so 
thick with with plot lines and then you bring in the political stuff and 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 none of this none of the narrative elements or the plot elements feel totally cohesive where some of it does visually but but it lost me a lot in some of that i think all that said this is still kind of right around the pinnacle of what this kind of movie can be at least three movies into a, a five film franchise um, yeah. Not often is the trajectory like one to five, a steep incline. It's almost always like a fall off. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with it. I don't love this movie. It's not great. It's totally fine. I like some of it. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I liked parts of it, but also I feel the need to – I don't ever feel the need to watch this again. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they could have matched up the tone and the script and the plot with the aesthetic we were given, this could have been a very suspenseful, well-acted, almost like political wizard intrigue type movie, uh, you know, with like the plot twists of, of a spy movie almost, but it, it tonally just didn't add up. And they tried to maintain that those moments of silliness, but then like, it felt like there was just a bunch of boxes that they needed to check. Uh, Mm -hmm. in order to complete a Fantastic Beast movie, whether the parts all fit together or not. And the end result of a a process like that is is never going to be a very satisfactory film. Agreed. Before we run short on time for our radio listeners, two notes from me about Mads Mikkelsen that that you made me think of. One, there's a scene where he gets out of a car, and we mentioned some of his more serious roles, but he gets out of a car, he's in a big crowd of people, there's an overhead shot. Did you immediately go to uh, that Danish film from a couple years ago? Oh yeah, Another Round. Another round. I could just hear that song. Yep. What a night. Uh, <laughs> that movie such was a charismatic so good. Character. And like, that's the connection between Grindelwald and the teacher he plays in that movie. Like people do love him. Um, but on a more serious note, like he is such a, a heavy actor. And th- the movie starts with a great scene, by the way, between him and Dumbledore. And the two of them play it so well. It's a beautifully shot scene. I think that's great. And his, his gravitas as an actor works there. But for the rest of it, he just feels out of place in this movie. And I think that lends to the, the tonal imbalance. And, and it is just like maybe a casting problem because you tell the guy, you're like, here's your script. You're, you're ostensibly this like fascist monarch that's trying to come into power. And he's like, great, I'll do it. And I will do it above and beyond. And it just doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. No. And I'll talk but about it. he kills it. it. Exactly. He kills it. That's the problem. Yeah. He's too good. Right. Mads yeah. Mikkelsen, too good for this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, yeah. Uh, before we rate it and get to our our break i want to just throw it out there so you help me remember i want to talk about how this movie could have used more flashbacks okay sure i could i could see an argument for that um we will talk about that in the danger zone but until then johnny summers fantastic uh, fantastic beasts uh, the secrets of dumbledore out of 10 my friend what you got it's like a 3.3 <laughs> that's so low. did you say 3. Point what? 3.3 oh man you're making me reevaluate mine no i think it's a six why like i think it's fine for what it is like i'm just rating it as a thing that it is yeah it's like it's never gonna get more than a seven like the first one's probably a seven and the second one's probably like a five like they're so this was better than the second one oh i think so yeah Hmm. okay i don't like the second one um but but a lot of points were earned for me for that dungeon scene and we can talk about that in a minute but once again you've been listening to fresh hop cinema possibly again on kzfr 90.1 fm fantastic beasts the secrets of dumbledore is in theaters now so if you get a chance to see it you got thoughts of your own you can reach out to us by sending us an email to fhccast at gmail.com and to our radio listeners thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next week and every thursday at 5 30 p.m on kzfr 90.1 fm 
As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Fantastic Beasts, a review of that second beer, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. It's getting dangerous in here. Johnny, as a rem- well, sorry, not you first. Listeners, as a reminder, or if you've never heard, we're going to spoil this movie. If you haven't seen it, that's your last warning. Go see it if you want, because here come F spoilers. Um, Johnny Summers, you asked me to remind you about a thing. Would you like to talk about that now or later? Uh, let's let's jump in with it, because I don't have a ton to break into as far as the danger zone goes, except that the, the, the chillin'. Yeah, by the way, spelled like Q-U-I-L-I-N. Yeah, Chillin. I feel like if you're going to spell it like that, it should be pronounced almost more like in Mandarin, like Chilin. Yeah, Would have sure. made way more sense, because Chilin just sounds like chitlins. Like, I'd get those at a barbecue. I was waiting for somebody to do like a Michael Scott impression in this movie, like, you ain't messing with my chillin'. Right? Exactly. It, it, Mads Mikkelsen um, had said that. Psh, come on. Yeah. God. <laughs> His zombie uh, so, chillin'. <laughs> dude, he's... He's too good. Like he added so much emotional heft when it didn't need it. It took me out of it. I'm like, I just sure. he needs to be in every scene or none of the scenes. Right. Um, yeah, I agree so so much. His gravitas just took over. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about Flashbacks. how I maybe would have approached this whole situation differently. Uh, and if I am wrong, correct me. But I don't recall them um, pretty much openly talking about Aldous Dumbledore being um, gay <laughs> well, in either of the first two movies. But like the f- this, within the first 15 minutes, he's talking about being in love and how he was in love with Grindelwald. And having that just out there like as fact and canon, I think it would have been really cool for this movie to have maybe a 20 minute act about their relationship and like how, like how close were they? Like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's get a, let's build some emotional stakes for this conflict. You can't just say I used to love him and now we're mortal enemies. Like how did we get from A to B? Yeah. There's, there's this sort of long running issue that Harry Potter, like diehard Harry Potter fans have, which is that in a lot of the subtext of some of this and, and, and JK Rowling has talked about this in interviews on press junkets, particularly, I think during these movies she's basically said that and Mm. people were kind of excited for the prospect of the fact that maybe it'll come up and we're we're, i'm talking about sort of two different things here you're mentioning it from a cinematic perspective but just from also a a a novelistic character development perspective like you do need it in either case like you need to be invested in this relationship Mm -hmm. and i think they do an okay job in the first like four minutes of that cafe sequence where they're having tea because I think these two actors, Jude Law and Mads Mikkelsen, are fairly capable of conveying those types of longing, deep, emotionally fraught feelings. Yeah. But at the same time, for me, what it was is like they talk about because I can't think of the name of the device that holds the two of their blood intertwined for all eternity so they can't harm each other. Um, oh, like, yeah, which is so either. gay. That is like the gayest, most poetic. Like, of course, <laughs> like that's amazing. Yeah. Um <laughs> But so whatever, but like what, what Grindelwald says at one point is like, we made this. So in case one of us changed our mind, the other one, you know, they'd have to see it through. And at that point I was like, you're telling me that Albus Dumbledore was like, 
when he was younger and dumb and in love, he was like, yes, we'll burn down the muggle world. Like, was that the plan all along? I wasn't clear on that. And because then I'm like, no, it's Dumbledore. He would never. But so yeah. I, I needed more context for that reason. I, I kind of bought into the love thing. Right. I mean, I bought into it. I maybe just wanted more of it. I think it would have helped with the stakes being higher and they would have been more believably high stakes if we would have had more background. Like it would have been fun to see glimpses or even full scenes of them in the midst of their, their relationship and in their love versus them speaking about it over tea in the past tense. I thought, I think that could have added to this movie, Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't there. So that's a choice that was made we can only judge it on what we were given. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice because if you're going to come out and <laughs> come out and make that Ayo. kind of statement, um, I would have loved to have seen that explored. Let's not just brush that off. Let's yeah. like, well, let's let's get into their relationship a little because we have all this kind of tertiary, non consequential romance stuff yes. with Newt oh, yeah. in this movie where it's like it, it doesn't really matter. And then you've got Kowalski and Queenie that are always in their sort of there's like an unrequited yeah. love situation happening in this one. It's it's a whole whole thing. So it's like, uh, give the wizard his due. He has romance too. I want to see all of it. Yeah, I think my biggest issue then um, with that situation is actually the fact that it's it doesn't even really matter. Like, like I guess kind of, they, they could have easily had been friends and made this blood pact. But there's nothing that happens. Like there's no moment in the movie where, like they do lock eyes at one point, but I kind of wanted them to be like, oh, like we still do love each other. And like, maybe that's mm. the reason Grindelwald's like, maybe I don't need to kill all these people. Like maybe what's most important is love. That's cheesy. And, and that's probably not the way I would have actually wanted it to go down, but at least the, the love story would have played into the plot. And it really doesn't. Exactly. It was like a, a device. That they were like, you know, go anywhere. Be, yeah, you know, it'd be great for, for reeling in a new generation. Like, let's have a couple gay characters. Let's because that maybe that'll boost ticket sales or something. I don't know. Yeah. By the and way, and then let's not explore that no. that gay romance is, at all. Is that it's it's in the name is plural. So is that one of is that one of his secrets? I guess is that what's the name about in this movie, dude? Is is that uh, a that, secret of Dumbledore that he's well, he's and gay? He, and his brother's a wizard, and his nephew is on the bad team. Those were all secrets. So at the end of movie two, and his sister was a wizardess. She was or uh, no, she was a, an obscurial too. Well, that's true. Yeah, but like, so magic she, is like a it's like a hereditary thing. So, so the fact that his brother is magical is not all that surprising. The, right, but I mean, think of all the Harry Potter movies content in this universe that we've had. We didn't even know Dumbledore had a brother. Like they made a point to uh, exclaim that. No, we found that know? out. We found that out in in the Harry Potter series. Did we? The only reason I say that is because when I used to play the farmer's market, this is so weird, I had an email sign-up sheet where at the beginning of every page, I would format an example. So like, I would say like name, email address, phone number, city. And I'd be like, Frodo Baggins, little hobbit lover at theshire.com. And I'd make it up a phone number. And on one of them, I put a.dumbledore. And I was like, everyone's going to think it's Albus, but it's actually Aberforth. And then on the name, I wrote Aberforth Dumbledore. And this was probably like 2015, which is before these movies. So boom, case closed. Whoa. So kind you of. find out in the in the books, does it ever get brought up in the movies? I didn't read the books past book five. So I assume I learned that from the movies. Hmm. But I couldn't okay. say for sure. Well, other than that, the secrets are... Yeah, uh, like Credence I mean, is a Dumbledore. He's a a Balius. A berry, whatever his name is. But even at the end of the second movie, Grindelwald tells him that he's like, you're, you're not a bare bone or whatever. You're, you're a Dumbledore. And like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's lying, but probably not because of the Phoenix thing. 
like Dumbledore's family, like is phoenixes are drawn to them. Feni, Feni, maybe phoenixes drawn to them. So like, well, I don't know what the secrets are, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be the fact that he was in love with, with, uh, I keep wanting to call him Geralt. Yeah, I get that. It's not Geralt. No, it's a, it's Gellert. Gellert. Yeah. <laughs> close enough. I just feel like I'm everything gonna... is already known about, like this should have been called Fantastic Beasts. That's so Albus. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then like he'd turn to the camera and put his hand out and then be like, a do you remember that show? That's so uh, right. <laughs> so right. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. That's what I say when I go to a dance party. Right? Uh, it, uh, yeah, the secrets weren't that astounding. And yeah, there was, you know, those elements of kind of mystery, like spy espionage, like everyone Mm -hmm. had a part to play. What was it called? Reverse wizard psychology, basically, where they had, they all knew a little bit of the plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Geralt Grindelwald couldn't figure it out because nobody knew the whole thing. I mean, yeah, kind of made sense, but also it's like so vague and so like complicated like they yeah. super over dramatized and over complicated this Dude. movie yeah and, and the whole th- the whole finale is set up because they're they f- they get into the room and so it's like the team is assembled they're at hogwarts and they end up in that room that very conveniently is the it's the room of whatever we need at this given time so they walk in there's a big turnstile and they kind of get sucked in but before they do there's five identical briefcases to newt's um animalarium and they all take one and it's we are meant to think that Newt actually grabs the one with the beasts. Like they mm-hmm. really beat you over the head of it to the point where it's so obvious. Like if it's it's like the scene in the Princess Bride where it's like the poison's in front of you. He doesn't have them. Like nobody thinks I don't think that he has the, the creatures, right? No. And we know Kowalski probably doesn't have them either because Dumbledore tells him. But then I was like, maybe it's a bait and switch. And Kowalski's gonna not be so stressed out because he doesn't think he has them, but he really does. It's not that complicated of a movie. Nobody has them. We forget about. Um, Newt's assistant, who obviously has him, but then Birdie, no, Cakey, no, is that her name? I didn't even put her in the cast list, but you know, I know she's been his his assistant for eight eight years, one hundred and fifty six days or whatever. Bunty, sure, that's Um, why I was thinking cake. Yeah, that's funny. Um, anyways, but they play the moment where Newt's briefcase is incinerated, or 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 there's a better word for that. Uh, but they play it straight. Like we are all supposed to believe every creature is inside of that. And I was like, no. And then Bunty Cakes comes up and is like, gives him the real case. She's like, Ever, not everyone can know everything new. And it's like, yeah, you already said that for one. And like, don't make that this big reveal. Like, you know, it just, it, that point, it got a little smarter than it was for me. Yeah. It just tried to be too much of everything and not enough of any one thing to be good. And also they fucking said the wizarding world like a dozen times. Yeah, yeah, that's merchandising, my friend. Ugh. How many lunchboxes that can go on? Gross. Um, two final notes for me. Number one, shout out to our friend and patron, Brittany, new patron. Um, I saw this with her. I'm here in Reno. Super fun. Um, and I think we would not be good at what we're doing because we'd be overlooking part of this movie we really, really enjoyed if we didn't talk about the dungeon dance-off. Yeah, 100%. Dungeon so dance-off, best scene. Um, to set the scene, his brother is now in some mysterious kind of underground prison. Um, uh, Newt's brother. Newt's brother, Theseus. Yes, um, Theseus. Theseus. <laughs> um, to get him out, you have to go down. It's like this really weird um, cylindrical down underground maze. And there's all these little critters that start showing up. And for a minute, you're like, are they cute? Are they not? And then they have like seven scorpion tails. You're like, those yeah. are called manticores, by the way. Ooh, they were like little shrimp scorpions. Those are cool. That's what a manticore is. Yeah, totally. Um, 
so then he decides to do his his mimicry. And there's like this cha-cha line of him swiveling his hips with his little arms out like stingers, and it's fantastic. But it's interspliced with like people getting stabbed through the chest with a giant manticore stabber sucked down into the abyss and their bones spit out, steaming yeah. with acid. Just all melty and gross. And, and the combination yeah. of the silliness of the dancing and the pure horror of the bones was very good to me. That was the best scene it was because like, it involved, it had Newt doing Newt shit exactly. and it had his creatures. That little platypus thing is like my favorite of his little creatures. That's, He's so cute. It's a Niffler. And that's what you said yeah. five years ago when we covered the first movie. You loved the he, Niffler. I still do. I'm yeah. a Niffler guy. I stand yeah. by the Niffler. Sure. Uh, so it had way more of them doing cool stuff too. Like their whole escape, like in super slow motion from the, the little cages they got put in by far. That was the most entertaining, best like 10 minutes of the movie. Cause it had some really cool action. Like the, the giant manticore could shoot like fireballs and lasers and lava blobs Very from convenient. his stinger. Why is the, Super why is convenient. the manticore? Like it doesn't seem like it's got a great home. Like why is it not leaving? Like it's magic. It's magic. I don't know. Well, and also steady, steady, free food. Yeah, maybe it has dreams. You know, maybe it wants to do some other, some else with his life. I don't know. Maybe it wants to travel. Yeah, like I don't know. Um, but yeah, I agree that that escape scene's great with uh, with the Niffler and um, and Pickett, the bow truckle. Yeah. At one point, by the way, a little stick figure Pickett puts on a pair of glasses, which was fantastic. <laughs> Just like a really yeah. good, like you blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But he gives, yep. I think he gives Newt a look. Like he puts on like water droplet <laughs> glasses and like his eyes yep. get all buggy. That's a great moment. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we needed just more of that. That's what made the first movie so great. Like, 100%. Th- this movie made me want to watch the original Fantastic Beast because it had something. It had so much going on for it. It was, mm-hmm. it, it, Laid the framework to what I hoped was going to be a fantastic hey uh, no, franchise. No, nope. <laughs> um, okay, you got anything else on the secrets of Dumbledore? Um, yeah, I don't know how on God's green earth it's a six for you, but whatever. Uh, it's your score. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, then I would be very curious to hear your thoughts on a beer if you are in the thirsty kind of mood. What do you say? Yeah, I'm gonna go grab it. Do you want to read the description while I'm getting the can, or should we just pause? No, I'll just play a cool sound. All right, Johnny Summers, we are back with our, uh, well, not our second beer, the second beer, your first beer, my zero beer. It's called Double Spring. It's 8%. It's from Vitamin S-E-A-C Brewing. Tell me more, my friend. Yeah, so it is a double IPA, Imperial, double New England, hazy. Uh, So hazy dippa, hopped with Galaxy, Cascade, and Columbus. Okay. And it clocks in at, what did I say? I said 8%. You said 8%. So uh, started off, uh, this was the can that kind of grabbed me initially when I was shopping, wanted to grab this brewery. It's got a really cool kind of sunburst thing happening. It goes from really light, like neon sherbet orange, mm-hmm. all the way to so purple that it's almost black. And kind of right in the middle of that is a pair of like Wayfinder sunglasses Love with it. A reflect- some reflection in it. Looks like we have like... A sunset reflecting in it looks like maybe over a wheat field through some forest, uh, and then under the glasses you've got this really wild like tie dye swirl of like gold going into the orange. Very visually appealing can. Very descriptive. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm super stoked to check it out. Um, skeptical because you know how I feel about New England things, but here we go. Okay. Yeah. Is it is it open? You're it's in your glass, or are you just pouring it? Walk me through. Uh, it's in my mouth. Oh, it's in your <laughs> it's in your mouth. Okay. Um, could could I? Could I 
not side, I guess sidestep in into the past. Um, what does it smell like? Like, are you getting traditional kind of New England stuff? Is it more tropical or more piney? Is it kind of hoppy? Is it bitter? Is it lush? Is it juicy? Is it is it fat? Is it thin? What's it smell like, baby? Uh, it's a little bit of mangoey with some fresh squeezed orange juice, uh, and maybe like if you were drinking all those things outside, like with a gentle breeze. Okay, is it smell? Like, is it aggressive? Is it more mellow? It's really soft, not aggressive smell at all. Very, very gentle on the nose holes. It does not jump up and bite you at all. It smells like it's going to be subdued, and it's going to be mellow and pretty chill. It's got a chill smell. Okay, and you've tasted it. I have tasted it. I'm going to taste it again. Okay, because uh, what I want to know is sometimes with beers, particularly of uh, the Imperial New England variety, the, the nose and the mouth can be very, very disconnected, which is to say that it might be a really soft, um, un, unmenacing bit on the nose, but then come out swinging on the mouth. And I, I'm just not sure. What are you, what are you getting? I mean, it is, it's very thick, uh, you know, thick white carbonation, uh, super, super hazy looking. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of a hazy double IPA, this, this is what it looks like. It is not even close to see-through, very, like if you held a flashlight under it, you could probably light up a whole cave to find your brother, Theseus. Theseus. <laughs> he's not like, so, he's not a thesis. He's not, you know. He could be. No. What if you wrote your senior thesis on Theseus? Well, that would be great. Theseus is also, I think, a character from Greek mythology. Yeah, uh, it's Latin for a thesis. Okay. I don't think that's true, but let's go with it. it it's, it's from the derivation. I don't know. Um, anyways, at one point, Kowalski calls him thesis and I was like thank you somebody needed to do that because sure. I've been thinking it the whole time uh, so how does the taste match the smell you yeah. ask well yeah. that's that's a loaded question in any context but in the context of beer I will answer it is mellow it follows through with the smell in that it is not really overbearing in any way it's a really understated beer very kind of way more mellow than I would think for a double IPA at 8%, mm -hmm. especially in New England. It's really not aggressively sweet. It's not aggressively bitter. It it, it walks a, a nice line right down the middle of those two. And I mean, I honestly am not super mad at this beer. I think it's it's well-made. It's kind of very drinkable because it's got a little bit of dryness. There's some hops that are present in the middle of the mouth, taste, drink, swallow, experience, whatever you want to call it, sure. towards the back, and then it finishes dry. Like it dries the tongue out and definitely makes you want to take another sip. Well, that's great news. I'm, I'm actually really, really surprised that this is that, that we've picked these beers. I mean, I would have liked your beer too, but I'm, I'm glad that... Well, and shit, man, maybe you'd like this one, my, my beer. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't, but I'm really glad that you like the one that you stuck with. Yeah, like it's... It's sweet, objectively. Like, it has sweet notes for a beer. Like, from baseline, it's spiking the sweet needle. It's moving yeah. the sweet needle. I yeah. wouldn't say spiking. But it, I wouldn't call this, like, a super sweet beer. It's, It's got a nice balance. I'm very surprised, uh, pleasantly so, that it is not too sweet. I'm actually pouring some more in my glass. Oh, well, God. It's there's a, good a sign, testament guys. right there, man. Uh, is this, this is, is this a, an anytime beer? A, a, a certain situation beer? How much of this are you going to drink? Um... I'll probably drink three quarters of this can. Uh, I'm good for like 
uh, probably 12 ounces of this, I think. And then by then it will be getting a little bit warm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like this beer would change into something I don't like. Well, you could drink uh, it faster, Johnny, couldn't you? I could, but I'm trying to talk. I can't talk and drink at the same time. I need to like run a tube into yeah, my that's, stomach. Yes. Yeah. Just funnel it while I'm talking. I mean, it would work that people do that, but uh, it might be a little bit upsetting to anybody. Yeah, yeah myself included. Um, okay, tell me about the carbonation. You mentioned it. You mentioned um, how it it's looked. fluffy. Is it? Okay, good. I was going to ask because it seems like some heavier beers can often run a little flat, but no? Uh, carbonation, it, it's on the flatter side liquid-wise, but the head is is super fluffy. Really light, small bubbles. They're sticking around. Um, yeah, I don't think it's crazily carbonated. Yeah, man, I've been I've been doing something differently over the past um, I don't know year or so, um, which is my approach to pouring beers, and I, I think I've just started skewing into pouring them more properly and going for a well poured beer as opposed to the the largest quantity I can fit in my glass. Um, mm -hmm. And and I've found yeah that when you pour a beer properly um, and you get that head at the end, like you pour you know you pour down the glass for like half of it at like a forty five degree angle and then kind of level it out and let the carbonation escape. Um, mm -hmm. you do get more of what you're describing, which is that larger head at the top and more of that aroma, but then the beer itself drinks a lot smoother most of the time. Mm-hmm. 100%. I'm into that. Yeah, because on average, a can of beer, so this has 16 ounces um, of liquid. Sure. Uh, the amount of CO2 in a, in a container of, say, a 12-ounce can of beer, it's going to be 36 ounces of co2 roughly so basically three times the amount of liquid is the amount of like gas that's in there to carbonate it i feel like so gas is measured differently yeah i like mean like cubic meters or something whatever but the con yeah you're right i don't know what it is i'm not a gastroenterologist but the <laughs> the sure. uh sure that's the, what that is yeah the, the principle here is that if you pour it like that properly and get a nice head, you're releasing all that carbonation. It doesn't get in your stomach, doesn't fill you up, doesn't make you burp. Um, but then also it's a much smoother, cleaner drinking experience, all in all, better across the board. So totally. You're right on. Keep doing it right, baby. Thanks, man. Uh, okay, well, I'm kind of jealous. I'm going to try this one too. Um, for reference to people that were curious about the price of the first beer that we could not say because of our, our radio deal, um, it was six seventy nine out, uh, not out the door, but uh, you know, probably like 7 bucks out the door. Uh, mm -hmm. At SNS, yeah. I'm guessing this one was probably similar. Yeah, this was six ninety nine. Okay, twenty cents more. I don't know, man. Uh, One point two percent ABV more, so maybe a fair trade if you're looking for that kind of bang for buck. Yep, but I like it. It's it's definitely tinted to slightly more sweet, but overall a very drinkable New England style. Like I, I'm gonna put my stamp on this one. Is it's it's enjoyable. Okay, well then, um, I would love to know what enjoyable means to you numerically. Uh, it's like a seven nine. Pretty good. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, drop it's drop it in our notes. Upper tier. This is one that if I was in the mood for a hazy beer, I'd go for this over most like single hazies because you get a really nice drinking experience, excellent flavor, well balanced. You know, good good dry finish, sure. nice nice hops, and it's a little bit higher ABV. So, yeah, it's solid beer. All right, dude. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, vitamin C brewing, uh, double spring. Were there plenty of cans at SNS? Yes, full shelf. Well, we hopefully our, that's not the case because, yeah, by the time you hear this, we're going to have our fun window cling there, our little advertisement. You can scan the QR code. Maybe that's how you got here. Maybe you yeah. picked it up, maybe saw it, and now you welcome welcome to the show, guys. Totally. And shout out to the couple patrons we have that uh, picked up those Logston beers from last week and drank them and let us know how they Who did them. that? Do you know? That was uh, Ken and Lori. They both tried them out. 
Oh, that's very cool. Okay, great. Uh, good call. Yeah. I hope that... Do you know if they liked them? Uh, yeah. There's positive feedback on all fronts. Do you remember if we liked them? <laughs> we both... We liked both of them. Okay, well, great. Uh, we I, liked the first one that yeah. was like the tart one. That, like, and then there tart, was yeah. the the mushroom porter. Oh, uh, the was candy just, caps. Yeah, the uh, forager. That's right. Yeah. That was odd, but it was good odd. Oh. You know what it was, man? Last week was a long episode for us. Oh, that's yeah. Why, that's why I'm remembering. Okay, good. Yeah. Things um, got a little, uh, little loco. Yeah. Um, nicely done. Hot and bothered, shall we? Dude, I got nothing written down. Let's go. Hot Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the part of the show where we talk about our lives. And I'm going to go first. I was almost scammed, but wasn't. Um, Someone reached out to me on Instagram and was like, can you record, can you write a song for my daughter's birthday? She's turning eight. And I said, no, I don't really do this sort of thing. And then I reread their message and they said, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And they got me with that, obviously. And I was like, so I don't really do this, but like, like my schedule is really crazy, but maybe I can do it. Like, tell me more about your daughter. Basically, they were lying to me. It was a person trying to get into my bank account, which is a real kick in the pants because someone just got into my Facebook account and I'm really tired of hackers on the internet, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help make the world a brighter place with music about dogs and PJ masks and all sorts of shit and it yeah. just wasn't working. So rude. Anyways, that's uh, that's that's my life in a nutshell right now. I'm in Reno. I'm playing shows. I've got like 12 more days of shows without a break, so that's my sexy radio voice you're hearing right now because I've been playing shows. Yeah, you should be even not speaking right now. Go full Celine Dion. Save the voice for tonight. But sure. I appreciate you whipping it out and sticking it in the podcast. Didn't love that. What's got you hot or bothered? <laughs> uh, well, I finished the outer... Um, outer um, range. Uh, outer range. Thank you. Uh, yeah, finished that show. As a, uh, as a reminder, if people hadn't heard last week's episode, you had two episodes left. You were not sold on it even being good. I said, why are you even watching it more? You said, because I need to see it through. And I said, why? And you said, because. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. I'm, I'm, I was talking to Ken about this because I got to the, the bar hang last week, uh, which is part of my hot as well. And a little bit of bothered, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, sure. I got there early because I had some emails to catch up on and Ken was already there drinking. And I said, well, emails will have to wait. Got to hang out with my boy. So we were drinking beers and talking, and uh, he's like, you know, you're a real show guy. You talk about TV shows All the time. way more than, like, movies that you watch. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think I am just the TV portion of this show. Like, I will consume a miniseries like it's Hot Pockets. Just yep. blah, blah, blah. Um, That's not how you're supposed to eat Hot Pockets either, dude. I was thinking Totino's, the Pizza Bites, because those are more poppable. Yeah, but- yeah. I don't know. You generally don't want to pick something you're also supposed to eat in moderation. Man, I eat TV shows like I eat extra large pizzas. Nine at a time. One at a time, but I like I'll eat the whole thing. Sure. Like that's maybe like a good good analogy, actually, because it's good if you're talking about one show, but you're talking about endless shows. You're like, I will just watch shows. No, like I commit to a show and like if I order a large pizza, usually I won't eat anything else until that pizza's gone. Like the next three meals are just pizza. So that's true. I'm in the zone. I'm locked in. So I was locked in on the outer range. And yeah, Josh Brolin, Imogen Poots, who I will watch because she's got the most adorable name in Hollywood. Um, and my fucking bad. We started it again and picked up where we left off. Turns out I had three episodes left. And I said, here we go. Cause they're hours. Yeah. Ish hour. Yeah. Um, so dove into that, and I got to tell you, 
It's the longest I've ever waited for 10 minutes of the last episode, second to last episode to get good. And then mm, 75% of the last episode got good mm -hmm. and then ends on a cliffhanger. So it didn't really get interesting until the last little tiny bit of the series and then it's just over. So like, I guess the hope is by the time the next season comes out, you don't remember hating it and you remember the cliffhanger and you just pick up where you left off because it should have gotten good. Like episode three, because uh -huh. the character development and the plot development was shit. Like the character development, I didn't learn anything important about any character between the first episode and the last episode that made me think it needed to go eight episodes before it got interesting. So piss poor writing, the acting was all over place, over the place. The tone was manic. Like it felt like it had schizophrenia. It was just completely scatterbrained. And then at some point, I'm going to spoil it. Anyone should I not? Fair enough. I don't care. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like Imogen Poots turns into like full psycho in the first, like, or in the last bit of the second to last episode and the full last episode. Like they've been alluding to that she's been on uh, like head meds, like some um, antipsychotics, things like that. Yep. And, um, but it's starting to like, feel like she has this weird maybe cult type thing going on i don't know there's some weirdness there but all that to say kind of just a gigantic bummer and i thought it would be so much better and it had the potential the tools were there it just did not land so i'm out i'm out i probably won't watch season two i've got a lot of other tv shows i want to get to watching like barry season three just came out um there's a couple things I have on the docket, but we'll get to those. So that's kind of, that's a bothered for me, quite frankly. The outer range was terrible. I guess I just don't understand, and we don't have a ton of time today, but I don't understand why you went, if you thought it should have been good by episode three, why go back for episode four, dude? When there are these other shows that you really want to watch that ostensibly you know will be good. Because the day that we started it, I think I was like hungover, just needed some entertainment, and we ended up watching like six episodes in one day. But were you having a good time? It was interesting enough. It was just not... Objection. I heard you say moments ago it didn't get interesting until the last two episodes. No, but it was like... It was like carrot dangly enough. Like, it's... It's like some episodes of Black Mirror where like... You know some crazy shit's going to get revealed, but they don't reveal it till like the last 10 minutes of the episode. But I would argue like, the commitment for Black Mirror is much more digestible. Exactly. Obviously, because the episodes are 45 minutes to an hour long versus an right. eight-hour series. Totally. Yeah, I get it. I know. It's illogical. It's dumb. It doesn't make sense. Hi, my name's Johnny, and I do stupid things. Well, it's just things, that like I rely on you episodes. sometimes to get through some shows so I can decide what I'm going to watch. And if you're wasting your time when you could have watched a good show to recommend to me, I, I feel upset about it. Like, you could have watched a whole other series and be like, Max, you should watch this. And now I'm stuck in Reno on a Tuesday with nothing to watch because I have no good recommendations from you. Uh, have you watched Made for Love? No. The first season was fantastic. Why haven't you talked up. about that on this show? Uh, I did. Actually, it was on my hot uh, about a year ago when the first season dropped. A season year two ago. Just I don't remember that. Yeah, season two just dropped on HBO Max, and we are about three episodes in, and it's, it's, it's intriguing. There's a lot of sci-fi funkiness going on with that. Well, I expect a full review on season two of Made for Love next week, then. I will see what I can do. You already started. You uh, said you were going to finish it. Well, they're, like I can't. They're, they're, they're weekly. Oh, 
Okay, fair it's enough. It's one of those shits, so it'll be a few weeks. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty out there. I'm going to keep delving into the world of, of miniseries and television just to weed out the garbage for you guys. There's a new uh, there's a new season of Love, Death, and Robots coming to Netflix in the next couple days. Oh, I'm all about that Yeah, that'll shit. be really good, probably. Hell yeah. The first season was so dope. Yeah, love little anthology snippets. Those are like 12-minute commitments. Those yeah, and they all... Just all the varying animation styles was so yep. fun. Yep. So dope. Um, okay, then really briefly as we come to the end here, if you'd like to get ahead of the game and keep up with us next week, we're covering the new film from A24. Uh, and uh, 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 what's her name? I, I need uh, Jesse, um, I'm going to look it up because I've missed this girl's name so many times in the last few times I've brought it up that I, I refuse. No, that's the other Jesse. Then she was in that movie uh, with him. No, um, it's a film from director Alex Garland. She did Ex Machina. And um, Annihilation, uh, Jesse Buckley, and yep. Rory Kinnear, and it's called Men. And I keep avoiding trailers. I've only had to see like one because I was in the theater. But we're covering that next week. I was week. with you. Yeah. By the time you hear our episode, it is out now. So if you want to go see it this weekend, you will be prepared for our episode next weekend. That's how this show works most of the time. Um, and then Johnny will pick up beers for us. We don't know what they're going to be yet. So stay tuned. Some mystery even to me. But I'm super stoked for that movie and that episode. We'll be back reunited, and it'll feel so good. I can't wait to record with you. As always, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Thank you so much to all of our friends on Patreon. Um, again, shout out to Rob. Thank you for joining, dude. Uh, thanks to The Handlebar. Appreciate the continued um, money for advertising. We think you're a great business, so thank you very much. And that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. And remember, drink beer that makes you happy. Watch terrible TV shows so your friends don't have to. But most importantly, be good to each other. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.